Hey, Senda. Hey, Phil. Hey, I got a sick kiddo and my schedule's gotten blown up and my weekend's gone sideways. So uh, I've got like something like 48 minutes to chit chat. Yeah, let's do it. Cue music. Welcome to another fine episode of Pandas Talking Games. I am one of your hosts, Phil. And I am your other host, Senda. And uh, for tonight's show, we're going to do things just a little bit differently. Um, This is going to be a chit-chat episode. If you haven't encountered one of these before, every now and then we run into a scheduling issue um, where we just don't have time to turn out the show that we might normally turn out. And we don't want to leave you hanging either. So we are still producing content. But if you're looking um, for the standard format of Pandas or you haven't heard the show before and you're like, what is this all about? Um, just know this is not our standard format. Um, we're just going to jump right into some quick chit chat. The chit chat format, as a reminder, is inspired by uh, the Gauntlet uh, community. Uh, and the original Gauntlet podcast from oh so many years ago, uh, where they talked about things that were giving them life. Uh, We uh, do this in two parts. We do a thing that's giving us life in gaming because this is a podcast about role-playing games and we do want to talk about gaming. And then we talk about a thing that's giving us life outside of gaming. Mm -hmm. And uh, with both of those things complete, we then wrap up the show. Yes, indeed. And we're going to keep this one Pretty tight, because we are on a bit of a time limit this evening. We are actually recording on Friday night instead of our normal Saturday morning. Um, so we're, we're going to do our best to keep this on an actual time frame. So, Senda, yes. what's giving you life in gaming? Yeah, so my crew actually just last night uh, wrapped up our Brindlewood Bay game. And we're having some scheduling troubles. So when I say that... Um, we, we kind of had been trying to get together to just play the last episode for honestly a couple of months now, right? Um, so there's two things that I just want to mention about it. Firstly, um, Brindlewood Bay is a delightful game and the end was super satisfying. Um, and we did manage to kind of tie everything back, even though we um, we ended it maybe a little bit shorter than, than we would have if we had uh, all still been able to uh, manage the scheduling in our lives. Um, we we kind of, you know, just were like, we got to wrap this. So it was one of those times when you just have to put a bow on something so that you can take a breath and, um, and figure out how to do how, what to make changes so that you can go on from there. Um, but Andy ran that game. It was phenomenal. Um, and during the very last episode forced us to engage with some of the mechanics that we had not yet engaged with throughout the rest of the game. Cause we are not always good at remembering to engage mechanics. So I just have to say, um, some of the stuff that Jason Cordova put in there, um, especially with the, uh, the crown of the void is what it's called is basically when you engage with the occult, um, every time you engage with the occult in a way that makes you roll, it adds a new creepy thing to the story and into your descriptions mechanically, uh, which is just really, really cool. So very neat, very cool. We had a 
super neat wrap up where our murder mavens became a mystery series of their own, um, like their very own murder. She wrote book club situation that was actually a series um, and it was super exciting. So there was that. But secondarily to that, we did sit down then as a group and figure out what we're going to do to keep playing with each other because we all really enjoy the people that we're playing with. It's a delightful crew, but life is doing a life thing to too many people at the same time for us to reliably still meet on the schedule that's worked for us for the last like five years. Um, So we also were able to make a decision that is a relief to me, which is um, we're going to just switch to playing longer sessions, one shots every couple of months, but I still get to play with those folks and it's not the complete end of that game group, which I was very scared of. So those are the two things that are giving me life. I get to keep my crew. And I'm really excited about it. And we wrapped up Brindlewood Bay. Yeah. Yeah. So I think um, I want to talk about the latter part for a second, because um, there's this thing, and I know you went through this where, um, and this happens frequently in games where, in game groups, I should say, where like the, when life kind of crops up like that, uh, the group becomes kind of destabilized. And and the first sign is like, you start missing a lot of sessions. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like you start lot. having to cancel a lot. Yep. People are unavailable to, to, um, to play and you start missing sessions. And, and you know, we've talked about this, um, you know, the kind of energy thing on Misdirected Mark where like once you stop playing, like you start losing like energy and momentum for the game yep. um, and, you know, can make it really hard. But the other thing is that like you start to get this um, feeling like maybe people aren't interested in playing anymore. Am right. I the only person Am I the only who's one still, who still committed to, to this? Right. right. Like, like did everybody else just like get fed up or bored with games or don't want to play with me or whatever. Right. Like, like it starts to eat at you emotionally. Like it starts to like, you know, you will start getting like, especially if you are a person who has, anxiety Um, anxiety or insecurity anxiety like we do right like like we do then it's you start to get to the maybe these people don't want to play with me anymore that's why this isn't working and so having the conversation which isn't easy especially if you're having those anxieties right having the conversation of hey do people still want to do this right and then finding out that yes people want to do it but it's timing it's right. not people is like a huge relief because to some extent, there's almost always a way to find time. Yeah. And that's, we have decided and and we'll, you know, we'll evolve this and perfect it. We have an initial starting point that we think, you know, um, we're going to play for one Sunday every other month. Right. And we're making a commitment that instead of our normal Thursday nights have been actually pretty short. We really only play for about two hours consecutively once we get past the social stuff, because we're really only together for maybe about three hours total mm-hmm. um, because it's a Thursday night right? And like kids have school, people have work, like it's, it's a complicated um, dance we've been doing. Um, And also everybody's very busy and has stuff going on on weekends and stuff. So we're like, if it is one Sunday afternoon, every other month, then it becomes very easy to plan for a single date. Um, And it's easier to claim a longer period of time, a period of time in which we can actually play a one shot from start to finish. And that means if you can't make a game, then the game is not held up 
for the yeah. people who can make it. So it means we can play a lot more like whoever's available, but it's also easier to plan for because it's planned in advance and it takes the pressure off of, you know, a weeknight thing for, you know, some people are driving like 40, 45 minutes, right. To get to the game. Um, and, and just like, there's so much time involved that I think it's just been very difficult. And, We've been a group playing games together for like five years now, maybe six, but like a long time, five years at least. And like everybody's life situations has changed drastically in that time period, um, like very drastically. There's There's been like, oh my gosh, there's been three divorces, there's new children, there's kids going off to college like we have people in all phases of life and all of those phases have changed over this time right and mm -hmm. so it is definitely a just a point of complication that we're not in the same life places that we were when we created this schedule <laughs> and we're just not um so i'm just really happy because um I really, really love playing games with this particular group. Um, a lot of the games that we've played have had a really large impact on me in an ongoing way. Um, and the idea of having to let that experience go completely was difficult. It is much easier to say, we still want to play, but we're going to adjust to accommodate where we actually are in the world right now. Um, and that that's just... I don't know. I'm very excited about it. I'm actually just really excited about it. <laughs> no, and, and a lot of times that can, you know, like, I think you guys have done all the smart things, right? So you've identified like the key problem is like, hey, um, hey, we want to like, you've identified the, so you identified the core thing, right? We want to play together. We need to figure out how to play together. And so weeknight was like weeknight weekly or biweekly bi was like too much of a demand. Yep. Right. Uh, you you picked my favorite time to game as an yeah, adult, Sunday. which is Sunday. Yep. Um, 100%, right? Sunday is, um, it, it turns out to be this like really interesting void in many people's lives. Like if, even if you have kids, most um, kid activities do not occur on Sunday afternoons or evenings. Like, right. because, you know, kids have to get ready to go to school, that kind of thing. Like it, it winds up being this like really good kind of dead spot. And it became my default gaming dead spot uh, when I had kids for just that reason. Yeah. So, and then I think the other thing you've done that's really smart is by going to one shots, by going to one shots, you've freed up the need for uh, everybody to have to be able to attend. It like addresses the fact that like, hey, we still all want to get together, but if something is really chaotic, and again, you have weeks to schedule it so people can, you know, reasonably yeah. try to make accommodations for it. But even if they can't, something can still happen. Yeah. Yeah. Whoever's it's a really good gonna idea. be there, we can do something. Yeah. Yeah. And even if you wanted to get to a campaign structure, um, a West Marches like structure would um would also work. Yeah. So um I think that's pretty much it for me. Um, but I am really happy about it. What's giving you life in gaming? Yeah, um, well, world building is giving me life uh, right now. I, you know, it's not a surprise to me. I know I like world building, but uh, as we've been getting ready for MM plays, the um, we built our own 
I guess for those who don't listen to both um, to both podcasts, MM yeah, Plays yeah. is uh, the extension of Misdirected Mark after episode 500. And so instead of just doing uh, GM advice and game design shows, which also kinds of overlaps with, with this, yes. instead what we're doing is we're actually uh, playing a game uh, and then we're having shows, we're having shows about GMing advice and design and stuff based on that game. Mm-hmm. So you get to actually, it's like a mix. You get to hear some actual play and then you get to, uh, and then in return, you actually get to hear some shows that bring up things that came up as part of the play. So anyway, for it, I'm the GM for the first, uh, for the first one. And we're doing a Cortex Prime game and we made up our own setting. And so I have been building out uh, this game setting, uh, doing like the history of the world and, you know, trying to get my uh, head wrapped around what exactly this setting is, you know, like what related, what do people do? What is the world like? Those kinds of things. And the best way for me to do that is to kind of build a history of the world some of which gets passed on to the players at some point. Some of it comes up in the game and a lot of it, even if it doesn't is necessary for me to just get it like straight in my head, like just understand the game world uh, that's playing, you know, the history of it, those kinds of things. So anyway, I started a couple of weeks ago working on um, what is it? Uh, Children of the Shroud is the name of it. Uh, it is a um, urban fantasy world about elemental magic, swashbuckling, and high school students. Fantastic combination. So good. And um, and it's coming out really nice. And we're getting closer to session zero. We're going to be recording session zero. It'll drop in a couple of weeks, but we're recording session zero next week. And I am now filling in like the immediate world kind of stuff. Like, what is, what is high school like? What is, like, what do these characters do? What kind of problems do they encounter? That kind of thing. So um, I'm just having a lot of fun world building. And I have, I, you know, I think you know this, like, I, I build, um, I build a lot of my game worlds. I very rarely run published material. Mm-hmm. Uh, your, like, our game, Long yep. Live the Queen, is one yep. that I, um, that well, I created. And I actually, I don't you. think you've seen it, but I actually have a history uh, document about that game. Ox mm-hmm. uh, is another one that I built uh, from the ground up. Knights Black Agents, even though that is a um, published game, I'm not using the uh, Dracula dossier. I went ahead and made my um, own vampires and their own vampire history. Mm-hmm. So I really enjoy uh, I really enjoy the chance to do world building uh, just because I love um, speculative history. I love um, I love the classic, some of my favorite classic sci-fi, right, is the idea of what happens to the world when this thing becomes true, right? Like for Long Live the Queen, you know, what is what is 17th century France? When time travelers arrive with technology. Mm-hmm. What are right? they going to do to it? Yeah. Yeah. And it's fun. Like there's no temporal prime directive or anything. Like mm-hmm. they just showed up and started handing out cell phones and, you know, giving people plumbing, antibiotics. Yeah. Right. Um, it changes of, a lot. 
Yeah, it it changes a lot. And it's a lot like for us, it's a lot of fun to kind of speculate, like, what is this um, transitional France look like? Yeah. And Um, there's some other really interesting parts that I think we've sort of brushed by, but haven't fully explored, which is things like, what does it look like when those time travelers and those modern current ideas show up back in the 1600s? You know, how does that impact things like the Americas? Yeah. You know, exactly. right? like <laughs> maybe there's not the colonialism. Oh, but like, well, there, but there is in a totally different way. Yeah. It's just that the colonialism is the future colonizing the past, essentially, and yes. stealing all its resources in a very colonial way. Anyway, very interesting. The question I was going to ask you, mm-hmm. because I just think it's interesting because I have been reasonably involved um in some of your brainstorming sure. um as you've been the, thinking through the children person of the I shot, go to right. for most of this I, yeah. I am the sounding board because i and i'm not in the game right so you can tell me anything sure. and run stuff by me so the thing that i was going to ask though is of the world building the actual world building stuff that you've mm-hmm. done what is your favorite thing either that you've developed for this game so far or what is your favorite thing to focus on when you're doing that creative exploration of the space. Once you've gotten to the point where you're like, if this changed, like, do you have a favorite thing to do? Yeah. I mean, I think my favorite activity is kind of speculating what the change will cause. Mm -hmm. So like in the case of, um, in the case when we did our brainstorming for the four children of the shroud. Yeah. We had uh, at some point, during the brainstorming, we were like, well, magic has always been here. Like, it isn't that Earth suddenly became magical. Earth has always been magical. It's just been hidden. Yes. And I like and that then <laughs> Right, which I love, right? And I don't think that's too, I don't think that's too unique to urban fantasy or anything like that. Yeah. I think the spin that we put on it was, and again, I'm sure some other urban fantasies have this worked into it. But in our case, the thing is, the Earth needs magical beings to keep the earth alive. So the idea that, oh, magical beings need to stay hidden because humans will slaughter them. The twist on it is enlightened humans also know and need to keep the secret of magic because they know terrible things happen if you try to wipe out all the magical beings. Yes. So there's there's a symbiotic relationship. And actually... It took me a little bit because in the beginning, when I first started writing it, I had just written the part where like, oh, way back in the past, like in the um, in the dark ages, like humans like slaughtered a whole bunch of magical creatures and then famines and plagues and stuff like that. And then they realized it was probably a bad idea. Yeah, Maybe don't do that. But I was like, but why are humans then? Like, what's mm-hmm. the purpose for humans? Mm-hmm. And so. I went back into the like, you know, when these things happen, I write these things like in iterations, right? So I went back and rewrote a chunk of the history that preceding elementals, there were dragons and they had unlimited access to the magical mana of the world. And they got stupid powerful and tried to take power from the higher beings that created the, um, created the earth. So the higher beings, after they destroyed the uh, dragons for their um, attempted coup, they created humans to soak up the excess mana 
so that there would be enough mana to keep the world alive with the elementals, but not enough for anyone to collect too much of it because the humans consume it, but can't do anything with it. Yeah. So what it turns out is they like there needs to be a balance like Mm -hmm. humans and magical beings need to exist. But I also needed a reason for this. They wanted this veil right? Like this hidden world. So I needed like a reason for it. And so the reason for it is, as I worked through the history, is that humans can only be governed by magical beings for so long before they rebel. Yeah. Like they inherently can't, um, the fear of that kind of power being wielded over them um, eventually causes them uh, to rebel. And so the compromise is like, well, we can't have magical beings ruling over humans and make like a magical utopia. And we can't have humans wipe out magical creatures because the earth will die. So instead, there needs to be this compromise yeah. and there needs to be this like legal magical world. Like there is a there is a portion of the world where magic is allowed to exist and operate in certain confines. Yeah. And so hum- to go back, normal humans don't know about it. Yes. Correct. So to go back to your original question. Yes. I really like having to fit the world to the thing that we want and play. Mm. Like, yeah. I really love that activity. I like, I know where I have to end. Mm-hmm. And I, and, and I personally, like, this is me and I've needed this since I was a little tiny GM. <laughs> Like little Many 11 year years old, ago. <laughs> like 11 year old GM, like mm-hmm. I need a logical explanation for why something in the game exists. So I just had to go start from the dawn of time and go forward <laughs> until, <laughs> until I could work all the parts until in. You could justify yeah. all of the things that they wanted. Yeah. And I had to like, they threw me a curveball because they're yeah. like, oh, we want sword magic. Like, you're like oh, why I was swords? Like, oh, okay. Okay. I got to, well, they were nice enough to be like, well, it could be weapon magic. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. reasonable. I can work with this, but why? And then I had to like come up with a whole reason. And, and the reason I say all this is because if you are a listener and you are a patron, at least I think the $4 level or higher, you actually can just read the history of um, Children of the Shroud. It's going to be, I don't think it's out on Patreon yet, but it might be. And depending on when this drops and when Chris drops the setting material. But like, I had to write all that and like work all these like disjointed pieces in like mm-hmm. we want swashbuckling and I didn't have to work high school Swords. in because that was kind of, well, yeah. I did have to work high school in a little because why is any of this taking place over high school kids? And as it turns out, uh, as a teenager around your 16th birthday, when your magical powers manifest, uh, you also have to enroll in the organization, the veil. And for five years, you need to um, both be schooled by and be trained by the veil in order to basically be allowed into magical society, like legal magical society. Yeah. Because you have to learn things like how to use your power, like how to cast spells. You have to learn the rules like, um, uh, oh, I had one today because I, <laughs> I have not made up the actual rules of the veil yet. <laughs> um, but I are came they, up with the first one, which is human be... problems require human solutions. Oh, that's very magical good. Pro- magical problems you require magical solutions. Wow. So that is basically like... You cannot use your, like, you cannot use your magical powers to get out of a speeding ticket. Uh-huh. Right? I'm not allowed. Um, gotcha. Yeah. 
Um, you are allowed, like for instance, you are allowed to use your magical powers for a modest amount of personal gain. Um, okay. But too much of that, mm-hmm. and you wind up like the prosperity wizards who yep. in the 1930s had to be destroyed because they were out of control leading to the Great Depression. Yep. Um, anyway. Yep. I love so anyway, it. if you want to talk about things giving me life, it's world building. I have another world. I don't have a, I, I'm not ready to play it as a game yet, but I have another world um, that has a shitty name. It's not a lot of fun called Dead World. Um, it'll have a much better name some other time. But that world um, is a uh, post-apocalyptic cyberpunk um, anti-colonialism game. Uh, there's a lot of words in there, but I have a pretty good setting for that. And at some point, I'm going to turn that out into a Cortex setting. Uh, yeah, because that will work really well as a Cortex game. That would well, be awesome. I, I, gotta... I would play that. 100% would play, oh, just to be cool. clear. Cool. Good to know. I, I've no, your game is not, our game is not going anywhere because I love, um, I love Long Live the Queen, the it's... smuttiest, sexiest spy novel, <laughs> sci-fi spy novel I've ever read. I mean, <laughs> I it's don't good. know. It's good. It's fun. It's good stuff. It's just good. It's good stuff. If you like reading smut, you would like, you would like this game. Like, <laughs> I don't necessarily think that's why, how other people will play. That's just how we out? play why it. Why are you calling? like that because <laughs> i've seen your reading list <laughs> i know what you've read i know like, not everybody knows my whole reading list to two be fair. words katie roberts uh, yeah there you go <laughs> google it yourself folks enjoy well, that it's gonna come up in a second when we talk about what's giving us life outside of gaming so go ahead take it away tell us more about katie roberts cool um her latest book radiant sin <laughs> came out and it's part of the uh dark olympus series which is just a really cool modern take on um you know uh grecian mythology um in in a different way than lore olympus if you're also reading lore olympus there seems to be a lot of greek mythology permeating just the landscape in general and honestly i'm not mad about it but um i'm really into dark olympus because uh I know it's really good. It's really good. Anyway, I finished it last night and it was great. It was everything that I wanted more. And I had to wait a couple of extra days because I definitely ordered the signed copy and had to wait for it to ship instead of going down to Barnes and Noble and purchasing it the first moment that I could get put my paws upon it, but it's worth it. Um, but if, if smut is not your cup of tea, then um, the book that I finished right before that, that I also loved and is also still giving me life because it just made me really happy. Although I hear the second book is even better. So <laughs> fingers crossed. That's hopefully that's the next thing I'm reading. Um, I'm getting waiting to get my paws on it. Um, the book that I read right before that was um, The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet, which I oh, adored. I really want to read that. It I really want to read that book. It was so good. And I hear that A Close Uncommon Orbit is even better. And it makes sense to me that it could be because um, the that the second book has a little bit more of like, um, what's the, the next gen episode with Data where they have to prove that he... Measure of a man. Yeah. It's, it's got some measure of a man feels just from the description. So I am very excited to read that one. Um, I went back and forth on ordering the whole series and then was like, okay, you can just be calm. Just, just put it on hold at the library. And I was like, fine. So I'm waiting for it 
to become available at the library. I'm trying to be good about my book budget. <laughs> it is hard, but I am trying to be good about my book budget. Um, so I'm waiting for that one to free up. Anyway, um, so whether your cup of tea is um, <laughs> smut of the Katie Robert variety, which I'm a huge fan of because it's not very straight at all. <laughs> um, or um, if your cup of tea is like queer speculative fiction slash sci-fi, um, those are my two things that are currently making me just feel warm and fuzzy and delighted inside. Uh, they're very good. I like books. I like books. Books are great. Oh my God, books. <laughs> anyway, what's giving you life? <laughs> Wait, so, I forgot something. Oh, go ahead. Tiny spoons. I, I feel like. They're the you, best. Okay. Okay. Sure. Tiny no, spoons it is. They're, um, I, I realized that I didn't have to eat things like yogurt and ice cream with a stupid big spoon, like a normal teaspoon that I could just order dessert spoons on the internet. And if you're in the Slack room, you know that I already kind of went wild about this. I, I paid like $6 for like six spoons. And I think it might be the best $6 I've ever spent in my life. Okay, now, now tell them what's giving you life. Sure. I mean, I don't think it's going to come as a surprise to people if you've been listening to the show. Not tiny um, spoons. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> no, I'm talking about what's giving me life. I no, know. Um, <laughs> cooking is definitely giving me life. Uh, you got me this great cookbook, uh, Salt, Acid, Fat, Heat. Uh, and because I was really in the search for besides cookbooks, like cookbooks are nice. I like recipes and I don't mind. I love doing recipes, but I also just wanted to like improve my cooking skills. Right. Um, and salt, acid, fat, heat has, is, is this great book. It's like half cookbook and it's half, um, practical knowledge focusing on those four, like, like primary elements of um of cooking and i've noticed since i got the book you got it for me for christmas that like i've noticed a distinct uh improvement in my cooking uh like just little things that uh i never learned again i'm i'm learning most of my cooking at age 50 um i you know could make a few things before that um i was stereotypical male so i was not um raised to know how to cook uh, from the a stereotypical male from the 80s, right? So I was not raised to learn how to cook or anything like that. But I've recently really gotten into it, as you all know. Anyway, um, so I'm learning things like uh, taste as you go, right? So like I, you know, constantly now as I'm cooking, I've got a spoon and I'm tasting stuff as I'm cooking it and making adjustments and things like that. And so it's becoming these little things like I'm getting much better at making hamburgers because I have a much better understanding of of how to apply heat. And I stopped using my, um, I stopped using my nonstick pan for making hamburgers and switched to um, one of my stainless steel pans, right? And I'm just like, I'm getting much better um, crust on the outside of my burgers and stuff like that. Um, even just little tiny things like yesterday, I was just making 
Trader Joe's Taiwanese scallion pancakes. I've made them a bunch of times. You just throw a little oil in the pan and put them down, cook them, flip them a bunch of times till they turn a pretty brown color. But I took them out and I was like, oh, these are nice and warm and they're oily because they're always oily. Like the batter itself has like some oiliness to it. Plus they were cooked, you know, in a little, um, like, you know, a little bit of oil. I'm like, would benefit from a little salt, right? Mm-hmm. So I just like opened up my salt container and just gave it a little sprinkle and um, sat down to eat and bit into the first one. And I was like, fuck, so good. <laughs> like just like the book's right, right? Just like a modest application of salt, but just it's it's starting to pick up the little things. Like I'm doing better at like listening to what my fry pan sounds like as I'm making eggs in the morning. Like, is it starting to sputter? Is it getting too hot? Do I need to cool it down a little? Those kinds of things. And it's just, it's really, I'm having a lot of fun creating in the kitchen. Like, I just, I, I'm i in this phase where I like picking out recipes to do them. But I also like taking things that are relatively simple and just doing a better job cooking them. Like, I think one of the things that happens um, just in our society in general is that people are given recipes um, or even if you're improvising recipes, if you don't end up in some kind of actual um, culinary class, then you're unlikely to have actually been specifically taught a number of those skills that you're getting from that book. And it's really interesting from my perspective as 100% a self-taught home cook, right? Um, that, um, what I'm learning from you learning is that there are actually reasons for many of the things that I do that I learned simply by being like, oh, that's better, right? Like do it this way. But there's a reason behind that, um, you know, just alchemically, basically, um, Mm -hmm. chemically, not alchemically, chemically. you don't, I think cooking is somewhat like alchemy, right? No, cooking is like chemistry. (laughs) Okay, fine. (laughs) Says, says the former biochemist, biochemist. That's, I was going to say, but I think what's really interesting about it is, uh, and it kind of cracks me up, right? Um, I do a lot of like, uh, sometimes, Sometimes making dinner for me is the same as running a one shot. I walk into the kitchen and I know what I want my end result to be. (laughs) Like I have a direction that I'm moving in. And then I just kind of start doing things that move me in that direction. Um, And that's an experience thing, right? But it's also not with a lot of um, necessarily like thought through intention or um, planning. I guess I would say it's interesting to think about because I have a lot of confidence in cooking these days. You know, I've been doing it for a while. Um, But what's really interesting then to me is I you have a very different approach um, because you are learning the why behind everything. This also connects with how you why you write game worlds, just to be clear. Because you want to create a world that justifies why for everything. And when you are in the kitchen, you want to know why. (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, the thing that I noticed was like doing recipes is great, right? It's no problem. But so I guess this is this is my science background. Yes. Um, When you're a scientist, you learn a thing. And then you go to lab, right? You learn a thing mm-hmm. in lecture class. Yep. Then you go into into the lab and you, you do a thing. You practice it. Yep. And right. you see the results. 
Right. Which ultimately gets you to the understanding that like later when you're doing your own experiments yes. and something isn't working, you have enough knowledge to know what's going on to be able to say like, oh, I, this is what I need to do to fix it. So like yes. early, mm-hmm. early on when I was doing recipes, if everything went according to the recipe, no problem. Sure. Right. Yeah. I can make this up and go. Um, but if something didn't go according to the recipe or if just it came out a little bland or a little this, whatever, like I didn't know what to do. Sure. Right. I, so like I would do, I would do what, um, I would just throw spice at it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I would just throw spice at the problem. Like, I don't know what's going on, but I sure if I just put like some more just of this, Penzi, more <laughs> this Penzi spice in, it'll mm-hmm. solve the problem. But now I've learned like, Sometimes that's the answer, but sometimes it also means like, oh, if I'm going to put additional spice in, I might want to consider putting additional fat in because fat is what makes um, spices um, last longer on your palate. Mm -hmm. Or, oh, this thing tastes perfectly fine. It's just a little bland. That just means it needs a, a pinch of salt. Yeah. Like, so, you know, like I was making, I, I, you know, I eat green beans and for a long time, I was very unimaginative with green beans. Like I basically warmed them up um, and sometimes maybe with a pat of butter or something or whatever. And I never really liked them. I was like, yeah, I, I have to eat something green. I'll eat these green beans. It's fine. And then I started like after reading the book, I was like, I'm going to make better green beans. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to saute these green beans mm-hmm. in and use some spices, mm-hmm. right? With some butter. Mm-hmm. And that was fine. I did that a couple of times. I was like, oh yeah, these are delicious. And then after I was reading the book, I was cooking them one day and I just took a fork and quick picked one out and bit it and was like, yeah, they're okay. I'm going to add some salt. Yep. And I just quick put a pinch of salt in, flipped them a few times and then put my fork back in, fetched one back out and tasted it and immediately could tell the difference. Right. I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, like (laughs) that's what salt does. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, Perfect. Right. So now like I make these great green beans. Like I never like I never like sit around going, oh, I got to eat green beans. I'm like, no, man, it's fine. I'm going to make my I'm going to make my I'm going to make my sauteed green beans. Delish. Mm hmm. It's perfect. Well, awesome. We should probably wrap this up so we have some time to do a bamboo lounge. We do indeed. Thank you for listening to our um, uh, chit chat. It is completely my fault. Uh, my entire personal life for the weekend went sideways with a sick kid and having to, um, uh, do some family stuff with the other kid solo because, you know, we're down half set of parents and we're down one kid and all this stuff. So I'm solo parenting my oldest for the weekend. And like, I had to kind of like change everything up, which includes our normal recording time. So my apologies. Thank you for listening to our chit chat. We'll be back uh, next week with a regular old episode. I have one picked out to do that looks like a lot of fun for us to discuss. So we'll jump into it. And in the meantime, um, send a tell us about another show on the Misdirected Mark Network. Yeah. Well, on the Misdirected Mark podcast, those gentlemen need to update their blurb, I'm noticing. So I'm going to bespoke it right now and they can sure. see if they knock, like it. Knock yourself so, out. Uh, yeah. So on Misdirected Mark Plays, Phil, Chris, Bob, and Jerry are going to play games and record a lot of the stuff that you don't always hear on actual plays like Session Zero and stuff like that. And then they're going to break down... Um, the game itself, game mastering the game, playing the game, and sometimes the design of the game in an effort to entertain and inform you.
how'd I do? Oh, that's great. Okay. That, that sounds like us. <laughs> that definitely sounds, that definitely sounds like us. Yeah. Cool. Whew. Anyway. Cool. Say, Senda, how do people find us on the internet? Uh, boy, that's becoming a good question these days, isn't it? So it's a little harder than it used to be. Actually, it might be a little easier. Maybe. Yeah. So um, you can still find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games, although it is less frequently checked than it used to be. Um, you can find us on Mastodon. We're both on the Dice.Camp server, um, and our usernames are DNA Phil, that's him, and Idella Mifflin, which it's I just didn't anticipate that I was going to have to start spelling that again, but here we are. Um, it's I-D-E-L-L-A-M-I-T-H-L-Y-N-N-D. Anyway, um, and you can also find us with those same usernames on a TikTok. If you would like to drop a video question to us, you absolutely can. Um, you can also... Uh, send us an old-fashioned email, and that is panda at misdirectedmark.com, and you will get us that way, and there's no character limit. Um, and Phil, once they have found us in one of those places, what can they do with that information? Yeah, absolutely. Um, leave us a question, a comment, um, a suggestion, something that in gaming is... Um, taking some of the joy out of gaming for you. Like it could be something that you're struggling to be able to do at the table. It could be a thing that you don't really, um, you know, know the nuances of um, how to pull off at your table, whatever it is, whatever that thing is, uh, send it to us and let us uh, share our insights and experiences with you uh, in hopes that uh, you can take some of that away and um, make that part of your game either less stressful or improve it or be able to utilize it in your game so that all of your game becomes more better fun. Um, because that's what we're here for. We want you to have more better fun because if you are a GM and you are um, enjoying what you're doing, you're just going to keep jamming longer, which means your players are going to get to play longer, which means you're going to get to play longer. You're going to get to play more in different types of games, if that's a thing you're into, like we are. And ultimately, you're going to stay in the hobby longer and all the benefits of being in the hobby, the stress, the friendships, the um, adventures and all of that stuff. Like, it's great. 40 years in, I love it. And I don't ever want to stop doing it. I don't want you to stop doing it. So I'm, we're going to sit here and do our best to make sure that you can keep doing it. So send us your suggestions. If you like what we do here elsewhere on the Misdirected Mark Network, consider supporting our Patreon Patreon campaign. Go to patreon.com slash MMP. Patrons get access to our Slack room for life. You get the after show from Misdirected Mark. You get the Bamboo Lounge from here. If um, you are patrons at the $4 level or higher, um, you get the MM Plays stuff. I've been pumping out material yeah, left and have. right for this game. <laughs> um, and you uh, get to directly benefit from that. So that material gets to uh, become yours. Um, you can, you know, you could even play your own uh, game of Children of the Shroud if you feel so inclined, um, because you'll have all the tools you'll need. Mm -hmm. um, minus the Cortex Prime rulebook. Go get a copy of that. Yep. Anyway. Um, those are all great reasons for joining up for us. Slack Room for Life is fantastic. You can come uh, hang out with us on our Friday Zoom lunches. Um, you can you can just chat with everybody. Um, if you are into MM plays, I'm sourcing the I'm sourcing the Slack Room for stuff. Yeah, um, you are. Like session zero questions. I can't wait to hear the answers to some of those questions. So. Yeah. So anyway, a lot of those things are happening, and we appreciate it, and we appreciate you all. 
So thank you very much for your patronage. So if you're patroning the show, again, thank you very much. If you're unable to patron the show, we understand, but there is a thing you can do that would be helpful for us. Uh, just takes a few minutes of your precious time. Senda, what is that thing? Well, you can leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice, wherever that happens to be. Um, it's a thing that helps with the algorithm. Everybody is always fighting with the algorithm to get seen. Um, so that's how you can help us out with that particular situation. And thank you so much to everybody who already has. But you can also bypass the algorithm entirely by just telling a friend. So if there's someone who is looking for a show and the show that they're looking for sounds like us, we really appreciate those recommendations. Um, we know that those kind of personalized recommendations really are the ones that do the most for uh, getting people to listen, which we love. Mm -hmm. Indeed we do. <sighs> Say, Senda, what are you doing with your weekend? <laughs> yeah, I'm apparently not hanging out with you. <laughs> this show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Clicky it is. Clicky it is. Cool. All right, let's give Ryan yep. a count and then 10 seconds of silence. Yep. Sorry, Ryan, we're on a rush schedule we're on a tonight. Schedule this evening. We will make up for the long episode last week. Bloop. Yay, 10 seconds. Who knows if that's actually truly 10 seconds or not. Okay, cool. Bloop. Friendly neighborhood editor Ryan here. It was exactly 9.375 seconds. So close. Bloop. Bloop. I am recording. Kate, <laughs> I have an ice cream delivery occurring. Thank you. Kate. <laughs> assume Ryan can fix Sorry, all Sorry, Ryan. Outtakes. Uh, my child came in, delivered me a Sunday, and then proceeded to turn off the lights as he left the room. <laughs> all right. How about we just switch over what's giving me life and then sure, you can yeah, eat yeah. your ice cream for a little bit. Okay. Bloop. You're gonna be busy. You're gonna be busy during the daytime. <laughs> I'll find true, you in the evening. True. We'll still play along with the queen. I hope so. Yeah. Hope At the so very too. least, we'll still hang out. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. Show me what you got. Show me what you got. Show me what you got.